Coming up next. There's so many barriers, like so many. Funding, you know, everyone's like, where do I get money from my thing? <laughs> you know, so the barriers are infinite, but um, a good producer just kind of looks at, you know, those solutions. How are we going to step through this and, and get this to the finish line? The Job Talk podcast shares stories from people who are passionate and love what they do in their careers. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. We are putting together a Career Crisis Ultimate interview series. We are asking experts to give their best advice and guidance around work anxiety, career pressures, career goal setting, and ultimately career transformation. To learn more about this special interview series and get notified when it's available, please visit our webpage at thejobtalk.com help. Today's guest is Ryan Northcott. Here's our job talk with the producer and director. When did you decide to pursue a career as a producer and director? Were you ever in any other industries? I haven't worked in any other industries. I mean, career-wise, other than film, I have, you know, I, I had jobs through school, obviously high school, university, that type of thing. But um, I never, I never thought I would be in film. Not because I didn't want to, just because I didn't think it was like an avenue for me. Like I, you know, I, I love. Well, everyone loves, you know, their shows and their movies that they like, and and I was always kind of fascinated with how it was done. But at the same time, I never really you know, saw myself in that world. And this is, you know, I'm talking about when I was in, in school in university and going back to high school. So um, I kind of happened into it a, a little bit accidentally. Um, yeah. Just a family friend uh, of ours had started a production company and she had recently left her production company that she had worked for her, her whole career and to start her own. And, and I had just graduated from uh, university and so it was kind of a chance meeting almost um she had said oh i just started this thing up um looking to you know make a business plan so i was like okay well went to business school and we did that a couple times so um let's let's do it you know don't pay me anything i just want to do something on spec like if it's if it's good then I don't know if you want to throw me a few bucks, whatever. I, I, I didn't think anything of it really at that time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I jammed it out and, and um, yeah, eventually it led to, to me being hired there to basically do business development, um, which is kind of a funny term in, in a small film production company I'm noticing now, but that was kind of it, you know, find clients, market the company, build, build the brand up. So, you know, started with, redoing the website, um, redoing the logo, build the brand up a little bit, um, start, start, you know, Instagram, Facebook, that type of thing. Yeah. And, was your, um, sorry to interrupt you. Was your university education business, uh, was it around business? Yeah. So my question would be, did you have formal education on the actual, uh, uh, skill of being a camera operator editing? No, it, none it was, all learned on the job. Yeah. Which, okay. you know, I mean, it has its pros and cons, obviously. Um, I feel, I felt like I had to learn everything by failing it like two, three, four times to actually figure out, okay, like this is how, you know, <laughs> this needs to be done. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I took like 
film 100 in first year where we, you know, watch Blade Runner and write a thesis on it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> but at, even at that point, I, I didn't really, like, it was a cool course, don't get me wrong, but I didn't even think I would be in this, in this line of work. So yeah, um, no, no formal training, nothing like that. Yeah, I first met you because where I was working, we hired to bring you in to get some aerial footage of mm -hmm. the campus. Mm -hmm. And yep. that that seemed like that was your, your business model. Do you think you could have sustained just a business where you were a drone pilot? Or did you have to uh, diversify and focus on, um, you know, more offerings, like production offerings? Could you have just lasted and sustain yourself being a drone photographer? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I think about that uh, quite a bit actually, just because we had kind of pioneered it in Edmonton at least, and if not in Alberta, in terms of like actually using these things for film and photography. Like, I, I don't know of many, if any people doing, doing it professionally and marketing it, it that way before us. In fact, we kind of marketed it before it was even really ready to be used to the capacity that, you know, it should be because the technology just wasn't there. But we said, okay, let's just do this because it's going to be, you know, we, we thought it was going to be a cool new thing. And all credit to uh, Pollyanna, who's who, who I spoke about, who gave me my, my shot at Groove Picks. You know, she kind of said, hey, like, this is going to be cool. We should buy one, check it out, see if it you know, gives us anything. And so all credit to her for kind of, you know, kickstarting that. But I do think that it has its own space in the production world. Um, I do think that, you know, there are companies out there that have done reasonably well offering drone services. I would probably expand it more to, you know, include things like mapping and surveying, things like that because that's where it seems like the big contracts are. But I do still think that, um, you know, if you're just a one man show and you want to carve out an okay living that you can, you know, do okay um, flying drones for a living. Could do a lot worse. Yeah, The technology around drones amazes me because in mm. 2000 or 2001, the school I was working for sent me up in a helicopter. And yeah. I, you know, I took, I took my Sony DUV camcorder at the time and I was looking through the viewfinder. I, I don't know how it even passed because I was holding the camera while I was leaning outside of the helicopter. And yeah. the, um, the harness that was attached to me was tight. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're looking through the viewfinder, you're kind of, you're not really recognizing any of the dangers around you. You're yeah. just focused on the shot. By the way, the footage I took was garbage. It was out of focus <laughs> and shaky. But when I realized that the uh, harness was tight and that's the only thing that was holding me into the helicopter, it took me about five minutes for myself to kind of lean back into the, into the helicopter to be yeah. safe. And I was worried about my shoe falling off and killing some students <laughs> below us. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't want to focus too much on the drones, but technology um, how, how much would somebody have to invest into buying a drone to do it professionally? Do you think? Not, not heaps, honestly. Like I think the main thing that I've learned just as it's progressed is that it doesn't like 
a lot of production companies and a lot of shows coming to town or corporate videos or whoever's going to hire you, they, they don't really know or care about, you know, they're not going to pixel peep the footage. They don't care about quality. Like they care about quality for sure, but they don't, you know, if, if it's, if it's a cool movement and you can capture like that part of the story, like they don't care if it's shot on a, a, you know, a mini or, uh, you know, um, Mitri's X three with, you know, a DSLR, or a, you know, red Komodo on it. Yeah. So to me, I think, you know, if you're looking to get into, it's hard, harder to get into now just because, um, you know, there's, there's a few companies around, but if you're good at flying, you know, start with a, a Mavic pro, like they're not crazy expensive and you can get a pretty nice image and, and, um, you know, just get good at doing cinematic movements. Yeah. And that was part of the benefit that, that we brought to the table was coming from a cinematography background and a producing and directing and generally a video production background is a lot of those guys came from, you know, the RC world. Yeah. So they're used to flying helicopter, like little RC helicopters, planes, that type of thing. And which is infinitely more difficult than flying a drone for sure. But, uh, and you know, so they had the technical knowledge and skill of flying, but without that feel for, you know, what we're trying to do with the, with the shot, um, you know, they, they, I guess kind of maybe went in a different direction and then went more towards, you know, mapping things like that. So <clears throat> the world is, you know, the, the drone world is not definitely fully saturated, but you know, you have to kind of almost pick like, okay, well, where do I want to start? What do I want to do? Cinematography, photography, you know, mapping, that type of thing. And yeah, I, I, I guess it just start, start small. Yeah. You can get a, a phantom RTK if you want to do, you know, geotagging and stuff like that for about 10 grand. And that would be kind of your cost of entry. If you yeah. want to do bigger contract stuff, you get a Mavic for a thousand bucks and yeah. go, you know, burn some cool cinematic stuff. So yeah, I mean, sky's the limit, right? <laughs> Did you, um, do you have to get certified to be a drone pilot and do it professionally? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the rules have shifted a lot over the years. It's yeah. at, at the beginning, it, it became a huge fad and everybody was doing it. You know, everyone was buying a drone right? and the regulatory system just couldn't really keep up with it. And then you hear all these news stories and it was all over the news, you know, drone comes in close contact at, Edmonton airport flying at 10,000 feet or something, not 10,000, but 2000 feet or something. Um, so it just became like this crazy thing and they couldn't keep up transport Canada couldn't keep up. So they kind of clamped down and made it very difficult for a number of years to get uh, certified. Now it's a lot easier. Um, two types of licenses, basic advanced, basic involves an online test. Advanced involves same test as well as a field test. And, uh, it's not terribly difficult. It just involves a lot of prep and a lot of, um, yeah, just, just studying and knowledge of the Canadian aviation regulations. So nothing crazy, but, um, definitely, definitely has freed up, uh, a lot of opportunities for people that the system is a lot easier to get into now. Can you talk about your production company now, the name of it and the types of projects that you're working on? Sure. Um, yeah, so I started Panoramic Media 
about two and a bit years ago. Um, I kind of, I'm trying to focus into, you know, three different worlds with it. Um, one would be original content production. So that would be kind of my own projects that I would produce or, or co-produce with others, you, you know, bring ideas across, across the, the desk. Um, so that would be mainly scripted content. Um, that's kind of, you know, what I enjoy doing the most is, you know, directing, producing scripted content, just, you know, finding cool stories, finding cool scripts and, and, um, yeah, seeing them through to fruition. Yeah. Uh, the other, I guess, panoramic media as a whole, you know, we do everything live action, um, corporate commercial, a bit of agency work, bit of everything really. Um, and then there's the drone side. So originally it was panoramic drone and now it's, I've just kind of rebranded it to drone Alberta, uh, mainly because the domain name became available. Um, yeah. and so that has just kind of recently launched, I guess you could say, and that will be, you know, obviously just catering to the, to the drone market. So a lot of, you know, international productions coming to town, looking for an operator, um, you know, longer term projects, construction projects, uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, whatever locally needs to be done and, and helping out too with friends on their films and their docs and things like that. So three kind of, you know, branches, I guess, if you will, to, to panoramic. Yeah. Do you see yourself more as a producer or a director? And when you're answering that, can you tell our listeners what the difference is between a producer and a director? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I read a super, I read a really funny quote and I won't, uh, attempt to, to rip it off of the person who said it because I think they were quoting someone else, but, uh, uh I think Katrina, a well-known local producer here in Edmonton said this, and I thought it was pretty funny. A, a producer, um, has to plan the best party for themselves possible, but doesn't actually get to go. <laughs> so producing to me is, you know, you take that idea, you take that, you know, the script at the core and you basically will it into existence. Um, you know, you have creative producers, you have producers more on the financing side. It's, it's obviously a big world that, I mean, they would be more executive producer, obviously, but it, it, it all kind of blends together. If you're making, if you're bringing that script to life, you are a producer if you're part of that puzzle. Yeah. Um, you know, directing is obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but to me, directing is more of the creative um, interpretation of that script. And, you know, whether you're hired as a director, whether you, you know, wrote the script to direct it or whether you're directing someone else's script, it's your creative vision that is going to, you know, make that film what it is. Yeah. So, you know, in a lot of cases, obviously there's a lot of crossover, you know, for me, I would produce and direct certain product projects to me, I would only direct them or produce them or depending on, you know, what's needed. But, um, I wouldn't say I lean towards one over the other in terms of like preference. I mean, I love directing. I love getting out there on set. I love, you know, working with people. I love working with talented people who I just vibe with creatively. That yeah. to me is, is my favorite part. I think about working in this industry is, you know, building that team or, or, you know, finding that team that can really just mesh with and 
they compliment you, you compliment them and you can, you know, see it come to life. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's cliche, but it's magic. It's, it's to me, it's, it's yeah, really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say historically experience wise, I've traditionally been more of a producer that goes to my business background. I've, you know, learned and worked on more of that nuts and bolts. I have, you know, definitely more of that macro 30,000 foot view where yeah. all of these pieces need to come together to make this happen. Whereas yeah. I would say directing is, is a little more micro. It's a little more, I'm worried about the script. This is how we're going to bring this to life. Um, you know, in a unique way or hopefully a unique way. Yeah. What qualities in a person make a great director and a great producer? Um, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I think, you know, for producing, um, just willpower is the main thing. I've seen projects that I, for example, you spoke with Adam Scorgi, you know, yeah. he can maybe not as much now because he's a lot more recognized and, and, you know, networks trust him and they say, okay, you know, yeah, you've knocked a lot, a lot of stuff out of the park. So here, off you go. But I know even historically, like, you know, he would will projects into existence, you know, um, I learned a lot from uh, Don Metz, you know, I was alongside or, or at least partially involved in some of those projects that he straight up willed into existence by sheer like, no, we're doing this and I'm not taking no for an answer. Yeah. I don't have as much, uh, as many of those qualities. <laughs> I, I will admit that right now, but I think it just comes down to, to you saying, this is a great idea. I believe it's a great idea. I have enough conviction to, you know, see that and enough vision to just see it through and say, Hey, like we're going to make this happen. Yeah. There's so many barriers, like so many funding, you know, everyone's like, where do I get money from my thing? <laughs> you know, so the barriers are infinite, but um, a good producer just kind of looks at, you know, those solutions. How are we going to step through this and, and get this to the finish line? I'd say a good director. I mean, I've, I've directed a few things. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say I'm nearly on the level as, as many others in the province, country, nationwide, obviously. But, um, and I've worked with a lot of directors in doc world and narrative world and, and it's tough to get a, like, they're all so different. It seems like, yeah. you know, some are very quiet and, and almost like at a whisper and they'll kind of just work with their AD and you almost don't even know what they're thinking or what's going on. And, and yet they just kind of flow through it. Some are like loud and in your face and, you know, want to, want to be the, the guy or the girl on set. And, and you can tell kind of have that ego, but they have it for a reason because they are successful. They know how to make things their way and they know how to get it done. So director is a, a bit of a wild card. I mean, I, I'm very collaborative. I know at a, at a minimum level, a good director has to be collaborative. You have to be, you have to, you know, your team doesn't have to be friends with you, but they have to respect you. You have to be, you know, respected by your crew in order to get the best result possible. So it's managing just a lot of different, a lot of different things, but at the same time, not compromising on, you know, what your vision is because other people are always, you know, always going to say, Oh, well, what if we just did it this way? It'll be cheaper. Yeah. You know, producers would say that, 
or a DP would say, oh, what if we, you know, did it this way? Maybe the light's a little better this time or whatever. And those are all maybe good ideas, but at the same time, having that conviction to say, no, this is, this is my vision. This is how it's going to happen. I think every director needs, needs to have that um, while still being open to ideas, but knowing that um, this is what it takes to get it done and then getting it done. Yeah. What, what are some of your specific challenges day to day? And maybe once you start talking about some of your challenges, have you experienced any failures and, and what have you learned from, from those lessons? Um, I think day to day, um, I, you know, I'm running a pretty small shop. I, you can probably tell I'm just in my office in my house. Um, so the whole entrepreneurship side of it, um, has had its ups and downs. I mean, you know, for example, without getting into too, too much detail, you know, the first year panoramic was around was like, everything broke right for me. Um, like it was weird. Like I was, you know, getting calls on heaps of stuff, cool stuff, like really cool opportunities, got funding for uh, my second short film, which, um, you know, not easy to get, um, that amount of funding for, for a short. So everything was going right for me. And I was almost like, okay, <laughs> when's the shoe going to drop? So, and that was kind of this year, not to say everything's gone wrong. It hasn't, I've had a you know good year, but, um, definitely this year it's, it's forced me to kind of just get back on that hustle and just say, okay, it's not just coming in and I have to deal with it. It's now, um, like I haven't, I haven't done a lot of as many corporate productions this year and commercial like agency work and things like that. Yeah. And it makes you, it keeps you up at night, you know, because yeah. it's not that it's, I'm, I'm still doing okay. Like I'm still doing well with the drone business and I'm, you know, still making enough to get by, but it's, it's more of that, like, Oh, did I do something wrong? Like, why don't yeah. they like me anymore? Like, why aren't they calling? And then you're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so, um, you know, and it's just forced me to say, to think about, okay, well, how am I going to improve my networking? How am I going to improve my, you know, client interaction? How am I going to do that type of thing? Cause I didn't have to worry about that in, in the first year. So that's been, I think the biggest struggle is just adapting to that entrepreneurial kind of mindset where, you know, you got to kill what you eat type of thing and you don't kill anything you're not eating. So how are we going to keep those relationships going? How are we yeah. going to continue to push the envelope of, you know, my own creative content, because that's your biggest asset marketing wise, you know, yeah. what you can produce. So that's been kind of the biggest challenge, I would say failures. Um, I, I don't know, it's hard to say I, I, I can't think of anything <laughs> recently where I've been like, Oh, I really dropped the ball on that one. That really sucked. But so it's, it's hard to say I, I feel like um, you know, I, I feel like I've done some, some cool stuff. I feel like I've done some good work. Um, so it's hard for me to, to think about failures, especially since starting, since starting panoramic, um, you know, you can look at things like, you know, not getting into a film festival you want to get into and, you know, that can keep you down. I can get you down, especially if, you know, it's something that you've maybe gotten into before and you feel like this project's a lot better. So that kind of thing, you know bugs you a little, but at the same time, you know, it's such a fickle game yeah. that 
and there's not a lot of loyalty in, in, in some aspects. So it's, um, you can't get too down on yourself based on, you know, the perception of others and critics and, and things like that, because, um, it'll just paralyze you into never wanting to do anything again. Yeah. You know, you just mentioned, I was actually going to ask you, I'll ask you this and then I'll ask what I just thought of. Um, have okay. you ever crashed one of your drones? That would be a pretty <laughs> yeah. significant failure. You have crashed one. Yeah. A few crashed a few. Yeah. yeah. Um, and was that operator error or was that uh, technology error? You know, back in the day, the drones didn't have the fail safes that they have now, right? Yeah. And when they started to come out with those fail safes, they often didn't really even like work that well, to be honest. So yeah. there were a couple equipment, like equipment errors for sure. Yeah. Now, you know, could you partially blame yourself for getting into that situation where you needed to use a fail safe? Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I would chalk up a couple to equipment, a couple for sure. You know, the, the nature of it is you want to push, push it. You want to push what you can do, you know? So you start getting longer lenses on a drone. You start flying through tighter spots. You start yeah. tracking, you know, things faster. Yeah. And, you know, you're bound to something happen. I'm, I'm actually quite pleased with my track record being what it is because i've done you know hundreds and hundreds of of flights yeah. and um have never crashed on like a paid or a corporate or a dock or a narrative never on anything high stakes like that only yeah. on you know my own kind of personal learning and and trying things so there's your answer to that so i'm trying to be <laughs> professional but also try and push push the boundaries a little yeah um, you had mentioned critics and I work as a video shooter and editor as well. Mm -hmm. How do you handle constructive criticism or how do you handle comments from critics? Do you have a thick skin? I think so. I think, um, you know, it's important to know, you know, where that's coming from. So there are certain people, I mean, one of the quotes, everyone hears it or everyone knows it, but if you wouldn't take advice from that person, why would you take criticism from them? Yeah. So there's definitely that type of situation where, but pretty rarely, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of known as like, you know, I don't get too high. I don't get too low in terms of, um, try and keep an even keel regardless of anything. Like if the production is burning down, it's like, okay, well it's burning down. We're going to have to figure out how to put out the fire and rebuild it. So I, I don't get too worked up about stuff like that. I mean, it is it is definitely one of those things where as an artist and speaking of the artistic side of it um as someone who does artistic work you know that's validated by other people right um the quality of that that art or whatever because you know you want to get into a film festival you want to show people you want to show your friends you want to you know you want people to say oh that was that was cool um and and mean it you know yeah so to me, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you're going to get criticism from others if it's constructive and if it's, if it's from someone that I, I respect in the industry, then I take it to heart for sure. You know, yeah. you have to. You have to understand that, you know, this person has, you know, more experience. You might not agree with it, but you have to respect it, I think. So, yeah, yeah I don't get, I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't have too much of an ego, you know, on set and on product, you know, in production and things like that, because 
I know what I don't know. And I know that at the end of the day, I'm not that great. I can organize things and people and drive towards a result, but, you know, directing creative artistic wise, I'm definitely less experienced than many, 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 many people out there. Yeah. So yeah, you have to take criticism if it's from someone that you respect and that's the only way that you can really, you know, learn something or grow from it. Yeah. Out of all of your productions to date, what are, what one, um, film are you most proud of? Uh, tomato can for sure. It's been, it's my newest short. Um, it'll be premiering at the Edmonton international next month. So I, I was pretty stoked on it. I think, you know, obviously you look back and, and, you know, there's things you would always change. Um, there's things that logistically you just couldn't do at the time, whether it was for lack of organization in that specific part or whether it was for, you know, curveball, you're always going to get curveballs. So how are you going to deal with them? Yeah. So, you know, there's obviously things you would change, but at the same time for how it came together for the performances that, you know, we were able to get, uh, I was pretty, pretty happy with it at the end of the day. And what, what is it about? What, what is that short about? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a short film about an aging boxer past his prime who is essentially paid to go into the ring to lose. Okay. So it's kind of a not really talked about side, kind of uglier side of the sport that, um, you know, in the early days of a fighter's career, when they're young, uh, 18, 19, 20, and they go pro from amateur, um, if they want to go anywhere in the sport, they have to have a good record. Okay. And you can't get a good record by getting thrown in against the heavyweight champ in your first fight. So you build up that confidence and you have stepping stones to building that up. And these stepping stones are people who get punched in the face for a living. So, um, I always thought that was really interesting, you know, how to humanize that character. And I met a lot of these, these people, um, we had done with Groove Picks, we had done two seasons of a boxing documentary about the local boxing scene in Edmonton. And so I met a lot of these people who like grind harder than anybody and have day jobs. You know, they go work on the rigs or they go do this and that have families. And yet they love fighting. They love to box and they, they know they're not going to win. They're not supposed to win. Not that they they don't try, but they know that that's what their job is. And um, so it's, it's, that was really interesting to me. And so I wanted to write something about that. What has surprised you most throughout your career, do you think? Surprised me most. Um, that's hard to say. I I don't know. I think uh, I, I'm always surprised by the talent of creative people here in Edmonton. And we don't get a good enough rap for it. Like, we don't get a good enough... We don't get respect for that. We really don't. Yeah. Um, And I can say that based on evidence, you know, the people that I've worked with in, in this world, in the film world, um, you know, they can do stuff that stands up with anything out there in the world. Uh, We just often don't have the resources or the respect to be asked to do that. 
a lot of times if there's a, a, a production, like let's say a big production by a big, you know, Alberta agency and, and they will hire, you know, a director from New York who will hire his DP from Montreal, who will hire, hire his crew from Vancouver. And then, you know, and that doesn't need to happen. Um, so I don't need to go on a whole rant about that. You can ask me yeah. about that if you want, but yeah. the, the thing that surprises me most is that there are such talented creatives and actors and artists here. And it surprises me that they don't get the respect that they deserve. If you could summarize what you love about being in the production industry, what would you say? Uh, I think, you know, what I love the most about being in this industry is just uh, having friends and having talented people that you can do fun stuff with. Like, it's fun to make movies. Like, I don't care what anyone says. It's hard work, but it's fun. It's, it's cool to see, even if it's not your idea, even if it's, you know, someone else's script or whatever, like it's cool. This, even if it's a corporate video, you know, okay. Some of them are boring, but you know, try it, you know, you can always try and make it cool in your own yeah. way. Maybe no one will appreciate it, but you know, you have to try and make it cool in your own way. So um, I think that's the fun part. It's just, saying hey like like how are we going to do this what are we going to how are we going to get it done and find the people to make it happen and bringing them together and and cooperating on something and and going out there and you know setting it all up lighting it all and messing with stuff and trying new things that's yeah. the fun part to me you know i love being out there on set i love being on location i love working with people who I think are, are more talented than I am artistically and getting them to buy into this idea and then making it happen and just seeing it kind of come to life. You know, you're not always going to be happy with the end results and then, but that's how you learn. Right. Yeah. And, and you figure out, okay, well, what went wrong there? Was it communication? Was it resources? Blah, blah, blah. And figure out how to do it better next time. So that to me is the most, the most fun part. Yeah. There's an episode of Family Guy where Peter is asking his friend Quagmire, who's a commercial pilot, yeah. and Peter asks him the question, how do you land a 747? And Quagmire responds, you want me to explain to you how to land a 747. So in the spirit of that idea, I'm wondering if there's any advice you could give to that creative person out there that has a fantastic documentary idea but doesn't know how to get started. Mm -hmm. What kind of advice could you give that person? Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, the film community here, and I've touched on this, but the film community here is, is unbelievable. And people that you think, you know, might be out of reach because they've done some really cool stuff like the Adam Scorgies of the world, like the, you know, the, the bigger producers here, here in Edmonton, like they're always willing to, well, in my experience, not that I've talked to all of them, but I get the vibe, I get the feel that they're always willing to chat. They're always willing to like, to some degree mentor, or at least put you on the right path. I would say, build that network, talk to the right people. Don't necessarily go in guns a blazing and I got this idea, like, let's make it happen. Get a feel for the industry, get a feel for how things are made, do your research, and then just talk to the right people. And when it comes up in conversation or, or however you want to bring it up, then, then be open, be open to 
what they have to say and whether it's this is you know this dumb idea is never going to work no one would say that but you know what i mean whatever whatever they say or whatever kind of interaction you have i would say use that to kind of fuel you moving moving forward and do your research on the grants available find find out a game plan for how to get something made you know a lot of people want to go do a feature doc or a series right off the bat and they are just like this is the format it has to be this way but there are a lot of opportunities for short projects short films and you can do more damage on a smaller budget when the project's 15 minutes versus 60 or 90 minutes so i often say maybe look at that first how can you do this shorter how can you maybe do that as a proof of concept and then use funding to make something shorter and then build that up so that people can see you know what you can do so there's so many avenues there's some great avenues for funding great community here everybody's always willing to give you time to chat and so just get involved in the network, get involved in the groups, get involved even just on Facebook, get involved in those groups and just kind of find your way through the process. It's not easy. Um, you have to definitely grind it out. But uh, at the end of the day, it's it's even if it doesn't come to life, your project, it's worth it based on those connections that you're going to make and based on that knowledge that you're going to get. Great advice. Ryan, congratulations on a successful career and to this to this point and i wish you the best of luck moving forward and thank you for joining us today thank you kim appreciate it i'm glad we got to link up and catch up for a little bit it's been a little while so appreciate you having me uh, it's been fun thank you for tuning in to the job talk podcast for more information please visit us at thejobtalk.com our podcast music was created by our friend mike malone in edmonton alberta canada